Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast, a podcast for people who want to sell different. Playmakers wage war against traditional sales and win. Remember, success is just one play away. Welcome, everybody, to the Playmaker Podcast. You've got your host here, Gabe Larson. We're going to be talking about some interesting research. Um, Not that we've done, but a good, strong, great company that I've recently been introduced to has completed. Um, And it's all about high-growth companies, what they're doing differently than low-growth companies. Um, And to do that, we've brought on Katie Bullard, who is the Chief Growth Officer at Discover.org. Katie, how the heck are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much, Gabe, for having me. <laughs> yeah, I've been peppering Katie with like the the 20 questions over the last <laughs> few minutes, and she's uh, been very polite to answer them all. I've been a big fan. Um, we're a recent customer of Discover.org, um, what they've been doing, their data sets, their ability to kind of certainly match our audience. And I thought, God, it'd be great to get Katie and have her talk a little bit about Discover.org and some of the things they're learning in their marketing and sales department. So with that quick introduction, Katie, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you guys do over there at Discover.org? Absolutely. So uh, so Discover.org, as you mentioned, really helps sales and marketing teams identify their target accounts, their target buyers, and just engage with them more effectively. You know, we are all inundated with data these days. Like having data is not a problem, but figuring out what to do with that data is what we're all trying to figure out. And at the end of the day, what Discover.org is delivering is this really highly accurate, highly actionable stream of company contact and buying intelligence so that we can all prospect more effectively. And uh, I lead our marketing and product teams over here. So one, always great to talk to actual customers like yourself. And um, (laughs) I'm always open to the feedback on the product as well. But, you know, I think one of the things that makes our sales and marketing departments different is that um, we practice what we preach and we we use our data and um, it has helped us be one of the fastest growing companies in, in the world. And we're really proud of that. Yeah. I mean, I was impressed. I think a lot of people, I mean, we've struggled with that here. You know, sometimes it's hard to eat your own dog food or drink your own lemonade, but I think you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever, those, metaphor yeah, whatever metaphor it is, you know what I meant. Um, dog food was a little odd, but, um, you know, it seemed like, uh, you know, you guys have, you've done some really good things. You, you, you've been able to kind of cross that chasm and kudos to that. Cause you're on, I think a lot of people's radars and the numbers are showing. So with that, uh, before we get into this topic and this research you guys have done, um, I always like to just try to humanize people a little bit outside of work, anything you're passionate about, embarrassing moments, hobbies that come to mind. Sure. So um, strangely enough, my background is actually in architecture and real estate development. And my husband and I like to fix little houses and uh, we have been in HGTV magazine. Um, I thought you looked familiar. I thought you looked familiar. I know, I know. (laughs) Um, No, in all seriousness, that's big. That's that's big. (laughs) That's not just a hobby then. This is something that, um, I mean, you do a decent amount of. You You don't get into a magazine or show like that without a little bit of expertise, right? We do a decent amount of it. I, I will say I personally do a lot less these days. This kind of keeps me very busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I was hearing that. Product, marketing. Yeah, I could see that. 
Um, okay, so you're a little bit, you've got a little bit of a hobby of real estate. Um, and then one other question, um, I'd like to ask this, if you ran into somebody, an aspiring, you know, chief growth officer, marketer, salesperson, and they're like, oh, I love what you've done to discover, you guys are so fast growing, what, how, how can I, you know, how can I become a great leader? How can I lead a great company? Words of wisdom, tips or advice that come to mind? Uh, Four words, do the hard things. Do the hard things, yeah. Um, it, sometimes it's easier to do the easy things, I guess, right? And it's not, if it's, yep, yep. <laughs> and just, the easy things are what everybody's doing, so it's not going to set you apart. Yeah, we were, we, I just came out of a kind of a campaign planning meeting, and I was like, guys, we just tackled all the tactical easy things. We didn't even get to the strategic things. So that's not just in um, leadership. That's, I think, in life as well. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's share. I want to get quickly to this surveys. I think there's some real interesting information. Um, you did this, and you can probably tell, but I'll set the I'll set the super high level context, and you can correct me. Sounds like you did a research study. Concept is what do high growth companies do differently than low growth than their low growth counterparts? Um, tell us a little bit about this, just from a context. Why you did it? What were you were trying to kind of aim to find out? Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, like our mission at Discover Org is to accelerate the growth of our customers. And so what we're really interested in understanding is what are those things, right, other than buying great data, that sales and marketing teams at fast growth companies do differently? Um, There's all these buzzwords out there. There's all these things people are talking about, right? Cold calling, ABM, um, aligning sales and marketing. What are the things that actually matter? And so what we did was we surveyed, we ended up with about 200 sales and marketing respondents, all kind of high level across all industries, mainly B2B and mainly in the U.S., And then what we did was we categorized all of the respondents based on um, how fast growing the company was that they belonged to. So for us, high growth meant this was a company growing at least 40% over a three-year period, which by the way, um, is what it takes to get on the Inc. 5000 list. So that's sort of the correlation um, versus everybody else who would kind of fall below that threshold. And Mm -hmm. There's certain behaviors and certain tactics and strategies that bubbled up that those high growth companies are doing that the low growth companies aren't doing. And that was fascinating for us. Oh, let's dive into it. Um, I mean, you've got all the answers. I've got the questions. So let's go top to bottom on some of these findings. What was, and I don't know if there's kind of a top five list or you just kind of say, we can go kind of, you know, what you found most interesting, but let's start at the top. What was one of the key findings you found that was maybe fit into that category of, oh, that was a little different or that was a little interesting? Yeah. So there were, I would say the top four findings all fell into this theme that, by the Mm. way, you just heard me say, which was these high growth companies do the hard things. Mm. And for us, those hard things that came up, the first one, everyone loves to talk about was cold calling. (laughs) (laughs) Is that right? Cold calling. Yeah, Yeah. The high growth companies were two times more likely to have a successful cold calling program. Interesting. And, um, and so what was really interesting is even the high growth companies that said they didn't do cold calling, they grew less than the other high growth counterparts, if that makes sense. And when we, when you say cold calling again, we've got a good mix here of marketing and sales leaders, but what did that in the survey? Was that just, you say cold calling strategy? Give me one click on that real quick. Yeah. So we basically said, do you, do you have a successful cold calling program in place, right? Do First, we said, do you have a cold calling program in place? And then second, we said, 
do you find the results successful, right? Are you seeing success from your cold calling program? And, um, and what does that mean? Right. It means I've got a list of target prospects and I'm not just emailing them, but I'm actually picking up the phone and trying to engage with them. And there's constant debate around whether cold calling is dead or not. And I think for us, this really proved that it's not dead and the companies, but it is hard. And the companies who figure it out and who really effectively engage with prospects on the phone, who personalize that engagement, see the results. Interesting. Interesting. So one big take I'm kind of that I'm hearing from you is, and this is a debate, I mean, well, and I've actually succumbed. Sometimes it is fun. It's clickbaity, but it is fun to write the article, you know, email's dead, yeah. social selling dead, the phone is dead, voicemail is dead, direct mail is dead. You know, you see, you, None you of can it find is dead. it all. <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying the phone isn't dead, it sounds like. I mean, in very layman terms, is that one of the kind of the findings you were hearing? 100%. The phone is not dead. And why do you think that? I don't want to go. I don't want to go too far into it, but there's yeah. a lot of naysayers, right? I mean, you obviously are a chief. You got a C level title. Um, I mean, some people are like, I never answer the phone. I would never yeah. use the phone, and you, it's always debatable. But this is cool. This is a little more meat. This is you know, you got 200 people in those types of titles saying that that is important, and they're seeing success. Why the naysayers? Or any yeah. any click on that that you'd kind of be like, well, this is maybe why people are saying that it is dead or not dead? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take it one level deeper. So two things I would say. One is part of it really does depend on who your target buyer is, yeah. right? So if your buyer is the general counsel of a company, which, by the way, mine used to be at my last company, they're unlikely to pick up the phone. <laughs> it, uh, just If your target buyer is the head of inside sales, they're much more likely to pick up the phone. So there is some level of that that you have to take into consideration. However, my experience, and I'll say this as a, you know, as a CMO who gets lots of cold calls, I, I listen to all my voicemails. I may not pick up the phone when that call first comes in, but I listen to the voicemails and I hear where that company, you know, who's calling me and what company they're coming from. And if they've left a great voicemail, the next time they email me, I'm more likely to respond. Interesting. So there is a piece of this combination of cold calling, social selling, and emailing that the cold call, great cold calling reinforces um, your brand is top of mind for me. I love that. I think that, um, uh, it's, that's interesting. I, I really can appreciate the audience, right? I mean, if you're calling a dentist office, you know, or doctors, maybe the phone, you know, they're busy, they're not answering. Well, maybe their admin is, but, um, you know, but in the sales world, you might, so I love the idea that know your audience and maybe different channels work, but very interesting to hear someone in your position, does, you know, still see value in this, certainly not one, but a multi-channel approach. So, okay. So one thing is cold calling strategy was an important piece of high growth companies. Ah, Love it. What else you got? All right. So the next thing, ABM, everyone's favorite buzzword. What does that Ah. mean? What is ABM? You mean like ABC? What what are you talking about? No, I'm teasing. This is a great, that is a great (laughs) question. I will say what ABM actually means is not what most people actually do. Um, so, so first of all, what we did find was that two and a half times, uh, so high growth companies were two and a half times more likely to have implemented account-based marketing strategies. Yeah. What does account-based marketing mean? It does not mean I have a list of target accounts and I send them emails. That is not account-based marketing. Uh, what it means is, is that sales and marketing have sat together. They've gotten aligned around what's their ideal customer profile, 
who are the companies that are most likely to buy from them that fit that target profile and have some propensity to buy from me in the next right period of time. And then have developed this like multi-channel cross-functional outreach approach to reach those target accounts and all of the buyers, potential buyers and influencers at those target accounts. So I have a list of hundred target accounts. I have six buyers at each of those target accounts. I'm serving up ads to them. I'm sending personal emails to them. I'm have, I have a special event strategy for them. I'm cold calling them, right? I'm using social selling strategies with those um, accounts. And all of that is coordinated with sales and marketing. And that mm. is a hard thing to do yep. to get that right. And especially to get that right at scale. Got it. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem with... I mean, ABM, I don't know. It, it, man, it took off fast, right? I don't know if it was the John Miller of Engageo kind of doing his thing or now. I mean, John and Sangram, right? The yeah, I was going to say Terminus. Concept. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, everybody, you're right. It, it's a hot thing, but man, it feels like the Emperor with no clothes. It is like, I still feel like, even though you can Google it and find tons written on it, it's like, what really is ABM? And some, I mean, it's like, do you do ABM? Yeah. It's like, does the emperor have clothes? Yeah, he does. You know, how do you do ABM? The exact thing I was doing with the other way, except for we have yeah. this targeted account list. And it's like, oh, yes. I don't know. So sometimes I wonder, but it sounds like you did kind of dive, dive into that. And it, it isn't just this, um, <laughs> it isn't just a verbal ABM. There is some sort of what, what we mean by that is yes. it's got three or four steps to it such as, you know, a multi-channel outreach approach. It does have a targeted account approach. It does have this kind of collusion. Collusion's not the right word. Man, I'm struggling to... Collaboration, collusion, collusion. Collusion, Sales and marketing are colluding. No, sales. <laughs> yeah, sales and marketing collaborating. So it had these elements, and that's maybe, again, we're looking for DNA of high growth, and it was a, an effective ABM, I think, is what I'm hearing you say. Yes, 100%. Um, do you feel like, I mean, you guys obviously play in this space because you have the, the, a lot of the target account, quote unquote, stuff. Um, what do you feel like is the thing that people miss the most on, on ABM? Is, is there a yeah. step that you're like, honestly, and maybe you've lived, I mean, I'm yeah. sure you guys live it there as well, that is either hard for organization that it, it, it is often missed? Is it the, they didn't accurately get their personas? Is it they did just kind of hit them with, they, they went all in on email? Is it that they don't follow up or something you tag yeah. on that? I think it's, I think there's two common mistakes and they're opposite ends of the spectrum. The first is what you just said, which is they come up with a target account list and then they think ABM is just sending those people an email. Yeah, um, That's not ABM. That's on the one end. The other end of the extreme is that they spend an inordinate amount of time trying to come up with the perfect target account list. Yeah. And, yep. and it, they literally paralyze themselves from doing anything for a six month process. And so we always encourage people when they're when they decide to kind of embark on an ABM strategies to view it as like a beta program or as an experiment, hmm, yeah. focus in on like one segment. And this is the way we did it. Focus in on one segment of your target market or one product that you sell, build a short list of target accounts, have like one dedicated sales guy, a couple of folks on the marketing team, maybe one SDR that are focused on doing this cross-functional multi-channel experiment, figure out what works, what doesn't work, and then try to replicate it down the road. Yeah. Um, but don't try so to boil smart. the ocean. So smart. Yeah. It's like that crawl, walk, run strategy. Um, 
interesting. Yeah, it just seems like um, EBM, man, we're talking about it, but it's still, yes. I don't think a lot of people are nailing it. it no, yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know if there is. You know, sometimes you hear the term and you're like, oh, there must be a silver bullet. But um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, there often if it was isn't. a silver bullet, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't so know. Go back to the theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, number three. We'll, we'll get okay, just so a couple three more Three and four here. I'm going to put together. Um, so three is that high growth companies are more likely to hire less experienced sales reps. Uh, and low growth companies are more likely to hire really experienced sales reps. However, high growth companies are also likely to spend more than three hours coaching their sales team and low growth companies don't spend as much time coaching. Hmm. So there's this idea, I think, you know, there's old school idea that I've got to hire this really experienced sales rep who has deep relationships in the industry. And that's, who's going to, you know, hit, hit quota more consistently. And what we actually found is the exact opposite is the case. Hire high potential guys who have the right personality in sales and then coach them and train them. And you're more likely to see results from that model. Interesting, interesting. So do you, I mean, so it, there is this kind of combo. I mean, would you say out of this, is the, is there kind of, I mean, would you say it's better to try to go for the lo, kind of the younger talent and coach them up more? Or do you feel like that's a little bit of a waste of time when you should just be hiring someone? Well, but I guess you've you've answered it in that these more yeah. tenured things Maybe it is the better model to try to go young, get them in, train them to your way, and then have them bring that attitude, that gusto, and win, right? And that doesn't mean that there's not a place for experienced sales reps. Like, don't get me wrong there. But I think this model <laughs> Don't hire life, old people. Is that what I'm yeah, hearing no, you that, say? That's totally not That's totally not clear. But this model that that's the only t- profile of a sales rep that's going to be successful. And by the way, that means I won't have to spend time coaching and training them. In actuality, you might think that that's saving you, right? Saving you time. But but I think what this is saying is you're actually losing out on opportunity. Yeah, which is almost a, uh, that's, you're like, hmm, that's kind of one of those jumbo shrimp moments. Like, what? You know, if I hire yeah. more experienced people, I'm going to grow, you know, slower. Hmm, that's weird. Um, but having been part of a tech startup, um, having been part of big conglomerate, I, I can see I can see the value in that. Um, well, let's do this, Kate. I mean, there's probably another few points, but I want to leave a little bit. It's kind of like you can't give us the whole thing. So if somebody wants to, uh, it's been fantastic. I mean, it sounds like a killer study. If someone wants to get a piece of this, or is this free or accessible to people? And if so, where could they find it? It is. So they just need to go to our website at www.discoverorg.com. We have a resource center and you can find it right there. I'm looking at it now. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Discoverorg.com slash resource. Um, uh, hmm. Okay. So if somebody, um, so you can find that on their resource page. And again, there's, there's more than what you just said, I guess, right? I mean, I'm cutting you off short here. Other cool there findings? There's a lot more than what we just said. Yeah. Awesome. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you or learn a little bit more about Discover Org, same kind of concept, hit, hit your website or get you up on LinkedIn. Any recommendations there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, if you're looking to hear more about Discover Org, hit up our website and send us a note. Uh, if you want to connect with me, LinkedIn or Twitter, great place to connect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Katie, um, awesome to have you on. Cool information. Um, very valuable, I think, to our audience. I'll be interested to hear some of the feedback again as our sales and marketing audience there. So thanks so much for joining. Remember for the audience, success, just one play away.